Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. We're going back to New Jersey again. I'm Pete. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Pete. How you doing today? I'm okay. Another beautiful Tuesday evening. You know what's kind of cool is that the way we record right now, it changes from time to time, but we record Tuesday night and then we drop episodes Wednesday morning. Yep. It's like, it's like some like uh, little magic dust in there. I like it. It's fun. And sometimes we record so far in advance that I forget what's coming tomorrow and I wake up and it's a surprise. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, again, the magic dust of podcasting. We're uh, secret podcast pros. <laughs> Not too secret. People, Under people the radar. catching on. Yeah. Uh, yo, um, we have noticed a nice uptick in listens and uh, we have no one to thank but you, the listeners, uh, because we do it viral, we do it ourselves. Pete does a really good job with our socials, but um, I think a lot of people are telling their friends and other music listeners or just people who like listening to two dudes talk about snacks. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> thank more, you, everybody. More of that coming on the way, by the way. But um, <sighs> Always. But yeah, um, seriously, thank you to everyone who tells a friend or spreads the word or you know, mentions us on social, any of that stuff, it all helps. And uh, we get so many cool emails. We're way overdue for a mailbag episode, but we get tons of emails from people being like, you know, I heard about you through a friend. I'm now like doing the deep dive on episodes you guys did in the past. And I discovered this, or you guys should check this out or whatever. So like lots of opinions going back and forth. And uh, it's really like what I always hoped that this would be. So, uh, Thanks for that. It's really cool. Same, same. Heard it from a friend who heard it from another friend who. <laughs> uh, um, what What is that? What am I singing? I don't know. It sounds like, familiar though. Baby, baby. I think it's it's. Uh, here we go again on my own. Down the only road I've ever known. Like a twister I was born to walk alone. Anyways, uh, hair right. metal. Hair metal. Pete, <coughs> I, um, no secret snacks today. No. We are fully in search of tracks. Uh, I did have some pizza for dinner. Have you ever had it where you had pizza, but then it kind of like the smell lingers on your mouth area? Oh, yeah. I, I kind of hate that. Dude, I think that's the only reason that I can't just eat fast food all the time <laughs> is is that right. like when my hands smell like Taco Bell for like 24 hours, I can't stand it. I have like a weird oh, yeah. things about like smells on my hands. I just, I can't do it. Yo, I, um, I don't love, ta- well, I, I do love Taco Bell. I will say that. I don't love fast food. I don't eat it very often. Um, but I was inspired to have fast food the other day because we were at a uh, a uh, you know one of those big box home improvement stores. Yeah, and uh, me and my son were waiting in the parking lot while my wife was in shopping. And I was like, "Oh, there's a Chick Fil A in the parking lot. Let's let's go. Why not? Like, let's get <laughs> let's get some waffle fries and a milkshake." Yeah, yo, one. Uh, you know, CX on this customer experience. Oh my God. We wait in the drive-thru for like a, a no joke, a legit 
20 minutes. Sure. I mean, Chick-fil-A always line out the door. Yo, bad experience. Like, like not go back experience level. Y'all who go and deal with that, you must really love that mediocre (laughs) chicken. Because uh, it's mediocre as hell. Yeah, is it like it doesn't even stack up to Popeyes? Popeyes, no, is not even close. Pop- yeah, Popeyes okay. smokes it. I would, I would pay not to eat Chick Fil A chicken, and we probably lost some listeners, so we really need to tell your other <laughs> friends. But, but I was like, all right, you know, whatever. I'm here. <clears throat> Let me get some of these waffle fries. The waffle fries were bad, kind of okay. soggy, which was the first time I've ever had that experience. And the milkshake, trash. Trash! <laughs> it's a goddamn vanilla milkshake. How come it was bad? Anyways, wow. Um, and I had the exact experience that you had. Had a little bit of the fast food smell on my hands. Had to. I rolled the windows down as we were driving just to get it out of the car. I wasn't feeling it. Uh, made me feel bad. Feel bad about myself. Feel bad about the world. Like had to eat a big salad for dinner just to kind of like try <laughs> to shake it off. So it wasn't a secret snack because your your wife no, you, you admitted in. that she was in on it. Okay. She knew. She was she she partook. She she got in on all the action. <laughs> nice. Um, but none of us were really happy about it. It was kind of a bummer. Like what a bummer experience. Dude, I had a similar thing a few weeks ago. Um my wife like never eats fast food. I'll have it like maybe once every month or two. Sure, sure. But it's just one of those nights, nothing's going on. Nobody yeah. wants to cook. You're just kind of like feeling a little melancholy and you're like, yo, you know what? Let's, Let's drive up the highway and go to Taco Bell. So we just yeah. went to Taco Bell. Right. And we came home, we ate it because like, you know, you can't eat the, in there as a couple, right? You no, gotta like no, take it. No, that's out. like a look. That's a whole that's a different style. Yeah, thing I right do there. that only by myself. So like solo, I think it's a move. I think it's, it's a move. Real yeah, look. it's yeah. it's fun by yourself. So like we go home, we eat, and she immediately is just like, oh, I feel horrible. Like, like it, was just, it was one of those things where like she eats it so rarely that she was like really stoked on it. And she was like, this is like actually just so bad. Like, why would yeah. I ever do this again? Yeah. My experience wasn't that bad. I'll do it again. But I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, yo, thank you to everybody who listens. Uh, Pete, what are we doing today? It's funny we said we're not going to talk about snacks, and then we proceeded to talk about know, snacks for I 10 know. minutes. It's okay. It's okay. It's um, a, it's a, it's a snacking is a habit, you know? Yeah. Uh, today, we're going to go back in time to one of our old, um, it came from New Jersey episodes. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about the Yola Tango album. Um, this I don't is even the have Yola Tango album, too. Yeah. Right? And the Heartbeats is one. Yep. Yes. Um, we did this a while ago and I'm curious to hear what you think. Have you revisited this record since we talked about it on the podcast? Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, and it's, I can hear the heart beating as one. Yeah. Um, I can hear the heart beating as one. Sorry. It's okay. There was another <clears throat> one that's and the, so it's like an easy confusion. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I have, think that's my other favorite. I have, um, <clears throat> my opinion on it might've evolved a little bit since the episode i didn't i'm gonna be completely transparent i didn't go back and listen to the episode i usually try to do at least like a cursory listen where i like listen to a little bit and skip forward and listen a little bit skip forward and just kind of like see where i was at Mm -hmm. with this one because it has kind of yo this is this is low-key entered rotation for me cool um just this record no other just this record i've 
I've dabbled, but I haven't done it. But if I'm being honest, look, I hope a Yola Tango fan hits me. It's like, oh, you got it all wrong. You got to give more. And maybe that's you, Pete. But like, I, I almost like, I'm like, I'm good. This is all I really need. This feels like a pinnacle. Yeah. Um, This record is a vibe. It's a chill vibe, but it really has an energy kind of from when you put it on uh, moving forward. Is this peak 90s indie? I think it's peak, dude. This is, this is, I think this is the peak. This is as good as, this is almost as good as it gets or as good as it gets. I'm not sure. I, it's close. Yeah. So I really, um, I don't think I was kind of, there's, there's parts of it I know lost me, um, on initial listens and, but I, I was overall warm towards it and I've grown to it. Um, mm-hmm. a few songs have stuck to me more and I did go back and do some, some additional listening for this one, but it's, it's one of these records. Uh, what's the sweater song? Autumn sweater. Autumn sweater. Yeah. That's stone cold head. Stone Cold Hit. Um, track. Think I noted. Think we noted that as the track when we listened. Yep. Um, the song Stockholm Syndrome has grown on me a lot. Uh, I have more to say, but but what about you? Have you have you put this in? Have you been listening to this? Have you listened to it much since we did the the dive on this record? So I haven't really listened to it since the recording. Probably. I, I mean, I listened to it a few times this week just to, as a reminder for this episode. Of course. Um, I did listen to the one that came out in 2013 that I really liked called fade. Yeah. Um, I probably had a moment with that one, maybe late last year for okay. some reason I was just really feeling it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't quite remember what I said in the original episode. Um, I listened to bits and pieces of it for this episode, but I, I was never a Yola Tango super fan. Like I never did the, the deep, deep dive. Right. Um, I know, this is why I got confused. The other one that I really like is called And Then Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out. Yeah. Um, the one that came after I Can Hear the Heart Beating is one. So I really love those two records. Fade came out in 2013. I got that one. I loved it. I saw them live around then and they were great. But for some reason, like, I think I tried to check out other Yola Tango records and they just didn't really hit. And I think I'm kind of with you on this band where I'm sure that there are tracks all over the place on all of the Yola Tango records. But it's one of those things where when I was listening to this, this week, like I could have it on as kind of like, like full attention headphones, listen in my car, whatever it is, or on the, on in the background and like, or just like on while I'm making dinner or something. It's just a great, record and it kind of fits all situations uh, and it's it's yes. it's one of those things where it's like yeah i don't i don't know that i need anything else i, I think you kind of <clears throat> nailed it <clears throat> and i'm going to reference this you know we will talk about this concept in other episodes and we probably have in the past but <clears throat> there's this thing where certain music and certain bands try to be all things to all people and end up being nothing for no one. <laughs> this record does not try to be all things for all people. It does not try to like veer out. It also doesn't particularly try to be 
like a like okay this is our going for it moment yeah uh this record feels i think this is their eighth studio album or something like that is that right uh one two three four five six seven eight yes yo (laughs) yola tango was fully just in their pocket and comfortable and ended up writing this warm stove of a record that I feel like anyone can come to and take something from it. You know, uh, I was, I've become pretty enamored with it and feel like it's, I don't, you know, a grower, not a shower again, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> this is, it's, it's got a flow. It's got a feel, a texture. It's a bit jazzy without being jazz at all. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, I can't kind of say good enough stuff about this record. I I, I do want to ask you this because I, I don't know if we identified this in the first episode. And I don't think I thought of it because when I did <clears> think <throat> of it today, I was like, oh, weird. I haven't put that together before. You're somewhat at least aware, kind of familiar of what was going on in New York and New York City in the like early 2000s. Sure, yeah. I think this record feels like it's more in the DNA of a lot of the different little pocket scenes of New York City music of the early aughts than any of us realize. Yeah, I think like... I, I, I don't I don't really walk in those circles, so I don't know what people are talking about at this point. And I feel like in like the indie world, like particularly in New York City or other kind of bigger cities, yep. I feel like it's very forward facing. It's more just like, hey, we're doing this now. This is what's happening. Yep. So you don't hear reference to things. At least I didn't much when I, I didn't hear much reference to older things when I was living in New York. It was more just like, hey, this is what's happening. Correct. Um, always. So, always so I don't, <laughs> pushing yeah. forward forever. Yes. Always, always. So like, I don't know that people were talking about Yola Tango aside from the like, yeah, I had that CD in high school. It's great. Right. Or like, you know, they're playing the big show and they like Yola Tango would do their Hanukkah shows in New York and then everyone would go to that. So like, that's the only context that I heard about Yola Tango. But I think you're totally right in that like this record, it has so much to offer yeah, that you could literally just take a song and be like, I'm going to base a sound on this song. Yes. And I'm sure that a lot of people did that kind of under the radar. Well, and, and that's kind of where I think you, you hit on a few of the notes of why I'm saying that. I don't know if there was any band saying, yeah, we are Yola Tango. Yola Tango is in our influences and no one was putting a FFO Yola Tango on their one sheets, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think this is baked in the DNA of a lot of that stuff, whether it is the like quieter, artier stuff, or if it's part of that like lo-fi Williamsburg scene uh, that was a little more raucous than this and rocking, but like, there's this glow and warmth to this record that I think if you pull it apart, I, I, I also then would, would pull back to your comment later where you said people could base a whole sound around one of these songs. And uh, yeah, I think this, <clears throat> this record specifically, but certainly Yola Tango doesn't get the 
nod that they deserve from the New York City scene. Um, uh, and, and nationally to that. But I think this record kind of stands on its own as, as a, like, hey, if you wanted 20 records from underground music of the 90s, I might throw this in there. Yeah. Which is crazy praise for a record that I do really like. But when I go to the rating, it's not it's not like the best rating I've given anything we've listened to. So sure. Um, but I I really um, I've really grown to it. I, I like it a lot. I'm still trimming it down a bit, or maybe you could say it in a more kind way, tr- tightening it up. Yeah. Still a couple parts that are you know. I mean, it's long. Well on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But but overall, uh, you said it well. Also, it can be a background record. It can be an active record. It could be a I'm intently listening and hearing new things, or it could be just a passive casual thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing too, that I think is so cool about Yolo Tango in general, but also this record specifically is just how, and I don't know if you agree here. I'm curious on your thoughts, but like indie rock, you know, particularly that early two thousands kind of era of it mm-hmm. and what it became, it, it, it felt like, very cool it felt very art school it felt very kind of like accessible because it was mainstream but also just like too cool and pretentious in a lot of ways yeah and and this is just like it feels it feels very art school but it feels really unpretentious and accessible to me somehow i agree um man what's the comparison i i I think to many people indie rock is the uh is the the guy who's too cool for the party he's at and is you know casting aspersions on every slob who walks through the door and uh name me three songs by that band etc kind of energy right <laughs> yo yola tango kind of gives me the like uh dude sitting on the couch with the rubik's cube you know fussing around with it and uh excitedly holding it up when they completed it <laughs> much to the excitement of absolutely no one you know what i mean <laughs> right. everybody's like all right man cool you know but no one thinks that person's too cool right and, they're, they're just kind of doing their thing right now i will also say i'm sure there's somebody out there who would like to to get on their too cool for school bus uh and try to drag yola tango along uh, we are here at In Search of Tracks Pod to let you know you do not have to subscribe to that energy. It's certainly not that kind of record, and it's certainly not that kind of band. Um, you want to do some rankings? Since since we, I don't know if you did some. I don't know if I forgot if we do these, but I I did updated rankings since we have this new ranking system. Yeah, I got it. Let's go. Hell yeah, we are so prepped, locked in, <laughs> locked in. Podcast pros. That's what I Let's said. Let's go. PP. Um, Holistic quality. How good is this record out of 20? I'm giving it a 14. I gave it a 15. Highs. The best parts of this record out of 10, I gave it a 9. Autumn Sweater. Damn, I gave it a 9 too because it it gets really high. Yeah, and there's a couple other parts where I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, lows. The, the, the parts of the record that are the worst. How low does this record get? Uh, for me, Pete, that's only a 4. Okay, I I went higher. It really does not get very low for me, so I gave it a six. Um, yeah, I mean, I I could have gone higher too. Um, competency and peer review. Where did you go on that? 
I mean, I had to go high because, like you said, I, the more that I think about this, and I don't even know Yolo Tango's catalog, like I said, this is like peak 90s indie rock, under the radar, huge influence on a lot of bands. Yep. Just great, great album. Uh, I gave it a nine. Uh, I was right there. I gave it an eight. I mean, I think it's right at the top of the heap, and uh, that rating could go up as I continue to grow in familiarity. All right, um, drag factor out of ten. Uh, does this record drag? The lower the score, the more it drags. Yeah, I. I gave this, it a seven. I, I gave it the same because it's 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 not it doesn't really it's it's very long. But at no point am I thinking to myself, like, I just want to turn this off now. Um, it's super listenable. So I just had to kind of split that difference. That's where I ended at the seven. How about flow? How well does this record flow? I gave it a seven. I think it flows really well. Yeah, I gave it a six. I think it it flows well at certain points. It doesn't, I don't know that like the track listing doesn't feel as kind of conscious um, or, or I guess intentional, but like, it's there. It works. Um, Overall aesthetic. Yeah. The look and feel of this record um, to me, Pete, this is an eight out of 10. Uh, I, I don't know. There's something about it. The tunnels. I think that's the tunnel. I love the album the cover, city. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I love the colors. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I was looking back at the cover and I was like, um, it, it has a feel. I don't know. If, if the New Jersey in us is showing, but there's something to that image <laughs> that feels uh, that has has a uh, emotive response. Yeah, there might be something there. I give it a seven. Impact and influence. Pete, I init- out of 10. Uh, I initially gave this lower, maybe a six, and I was like, yo, I'm sitting here talking about the influence it has on low-key on like underground music in New York City. I'm thinking about how it might be one of the best indie records <laughs> Full stop. I'm thinking about how it's one of the most important 90s underground. Uh, I was like, all right, got to be an eight at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just about there. I gave it a seven. Perfect. Similar reasons. And the intangible, et cetera. Any miscellaneous feelings. Pete, when we did this recording, I might have given it like a f- six because I liked it and was like into it, but not maybe immersed in it. And yeah. just like your favorite T-shirt, an old sweatshirt, maybe those sweatpants you wear to bed every night, this thing, uh, it's a grower. Uh, eight out of ten. Seven for me. So I came out at a 74 total, which feels pretty pretty good. Pretty good. I gave it a 72. We're right and in the it, ballpark. And it's funny. I mean, like, I could easily have ended up at like an 85 and I would have been comfortable with that. Same. And I, I think there's a world where it does like, because, you know, I'm saying this and like my holistic quality that might need to be higher because I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, what indie records of the nineties do I like more than this? What records of the nineties do I like more than this? Yeah. And there are, there's a grip, there's a bunch of course, but I start going through it and this one, keeps this one might be on the rise so uh if, it's so unique i mean it really stands out it really does it really yeah. does so um without further ado pete swing us into uh the time machine 
Let's go Here find we go. Uh, In Search of Tracks goes the cane from New Jersey. New Jersey podcast episode six. Um, last week we talked about um, something that came out in 2017, Scissors Control. Today we're going 20 years back in time and focusing on Yield Tango's I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. Um, I'm your host, Pete. And I'm Bob. And Pete, you got right to it on your intro. I love yeah. it. Jumping right in, you know, give the people what they want. They want to hear about the music. Got to give them what they need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so this was my pick. Um, we had kind of been circling around this one for a little while. Um, I know that you had expressed interest in talking about it at different points, maybe not even this album specifically, but just Yola Tango in general, because, you know, I think they're definitely one of, you know, the pride and joy of New Jersey in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to indie music, you know, I mean, they're one of the one of the bands you can't really ignore if you're talking about New Jersey music. Yeah. I think they're one of the bands you can't ignore when you talk about indie rock in general, like for sure it's um, I, I am excited to talk about them uh, not just because they're from New Jersey, but because I think, you know, a bit more about them than I do. I've done, I've done my homework, but I'm excited to listen and ask some questions and uh, yeah, throw out some, some wild pitches at you. So cool. Yeah. So, I mean, um, just so, you know, we kind of set the, set the or groundwork right now. Um, I guess, why were you interested in, uh, listening to this album or Yola Tango in general? And I guess like, what's your experience historically with them? If, if any, okay. I was interested in talking about them because my experience with Yola Tango is they were the, uh, they were a staple of New Jersey college rock radio, which is WFMU and WSOU. Mm-hmm. Um, they were essentially synonymous with indie rock in the nineties. And I think that's kind of the heyday for it. Um, and I didn't know a ton about them because to be honest, the time frame where I was exposed to the most was a time frame where I was not, particularly interested in them and kind of didn't write them off, but didn't tune into it in any sort of valuable way. That said, I knew they were a really relevant band, a band who played a large history, a large part in the history of, you know, music post 1980 from this area. And I was like, 
but what are they about? This is such a weird band and how big were they and how, so there was a lot of room and what I've always wanted was for someone to give me an entry point because I've kind of dipped and dabbled and, you know, uh, the record prior to this that I was most familiar with was fake book, mm-hmm. which is kind of more acoustic and there's a bunch of covers and I like it. I, I really do. But whenever I would drop in and kind of check out some of their other material, it was like, it was like a fuzzy sweater. Okay. Yeah. It kept me warm. It did its job, but I always, I, I rarely ever felt like wearing it or putting it on. Um, and so I never totally saw the appeal, despite the fact that I saw plenty of other people wearing fuzzy sweaters. Uh, that said, you gave me a great place to say, hey, let me go full on in and invest and listen on this record. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I had a similar experience when, uh, you know, when all this stuff was going down, this record came out in 97. I think they they probably hit their peak you know, around that time, this may have been their peak, um, for a lot of people. Um, what's your intro to them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, for me, it didn't come till years later. I mean, because like, like you were saying, you know, at the time 97, I was, first of all, I was really young, but second of all, I was, I was, I was involved with, uh, punk and hardcore primarily. Loud, fast rolls. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely where I was headed, what I was interested in. Um, this was something I got into, more in high school, but I really didn't dive deep into Yola Tango until like I was in college. But even then, like they were one of those bands that they were unavoidable. I mean, I don't think a single person has gone through college and like not heard of Yola Tango or like Bell and Sebastian. I mean, like at least when I was coming up, those were like the records that you just heard or bands you heard of, or even if you weren't interested, you knew who they were, you know? Yeah. hundred um, percent. So I never went like, you know, I never went super deep with Yola Tango, honestly, because they had so much going on and it felt so deep. Um, I was really never up for the challenge. So frankly, <laughs> right. Like I've, I like them and I, I definitely have a few of the records. I'm a fan. Um, I've seen them. They're fucking fantastic live, but like there are probably 14 Yola Tango albums. I've never heard, you know? Yeah. Um, I've just never, I've never gone the distance with them. So this is one that I heard. I think this is one that if you've heard Yola Tango at all, you've probably heard this one. Um, maybe um and then the, and then nothing turned itself inside out is the other one that you may have heard right um there are yeah, a few for other- me i'm trying to find the yola tango like the record i because a significant other had it was painful um, yeah yeah and maybe and i remember you know how i know and then nothing turned itself inside out and this is a phenomenon that i i've discussed with a, another mutual uh, a friend of mine uh, Patrick, who does another podcast with me, there was a record store in New York City, Generation Records. And as like many record stores across America, they had a CD listening booth. And what that meant were there were new releases or whatever um, in a place where you could, with headphones, and you could listen to the records at the record store. And I felt like this one was lodged in there for about eight months. 
So I remember giving it the cursory listen as much as you can when you stand in a record store and listen to something. Just remember listening to it standing there at age 18 and being like, who who's going home and listening to this? Um, <laughs> now, years later, I, I, I get it now. I, I realize I was, you know, perhaps looking for something a little more uh, aggressive, we'll say. And uh, But yeah, no, it, it didn't pull me in. And I don't think I had heard this record at least in any sort of, sort of like substantive way until we listened for, for this episode. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot. So it's a lot. Just so to, let's get in. Yeah. Yeah. So just to give the quick rundown. So it's released April 22nd, 1997. This is their eighth album. Um, <sighs> so Yola Tango had been a band since 1984, which is wild. Right before, uh, before the research for this episode, did you put that together? Because I certainly did not. I was I, thinking 90, 91, 92 maybe, you know? Yeah, I knew that they had been a band for a while, but I, I definitely didn't know that they went that far back. Because that, I mean, that's something that kind of blew my mind. I mean, you know, you, you think about indie, you think about pavement, you think about like, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff in the 90s that really kind of put it on the map. Like yes. Yola Tango way predated all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. They, 1984 puts them in the like weird New York music. Like, okay, they're post Sonic youth, but not that much. And, right. um, you know, like, yeah, if you had told me 1989, I'd be like, Oh, that's earlier than I thought. 1984 left my jaw. Like, wait, what? Um, it's wild change the context to me. And, and, you know, again, well, we'll get there later. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently, um, Ira Kaplan and Georgia Hubley, who are, you know, the singer, guitar player and drummer, um, vocalist sometimes, yeah. um, they're married. They've been a couple for a long time. Apparently they met in 1980 at a Feely show, um, in New Jersey. So the Feelys are classic New Jersey indie band. I would actually love to cover one of their albums. At I think that's in the uh, coming. Yeah. That's in the coming. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that to me was like, it was so, I didn't know that. It was so fitting. I was just like, oh, of course, like they met at a Feely show and like then they become Yola Tango. It's fucking perfect. And then, you know, nearly 40 years later, here they are still putting music out. It's amazing. Yeah. That part of the story is pretty amazing. It's crazy. So um, it's their eighth album. Comes out on Matador Records. Um, still, you know, like one of the prime, you know, indie record labels, I think out there at this point, um, it has 16 songs. It was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, which I thought was interesting. I just figured that they, I think at this point they probably record most of their stuff in New Jersey, although don't quote me on that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they recorded this kind of, you know, not in their own studio or somewhere that they were like intensely familiar with. And I would like to add a caveat. It's like recorded in Nashville, Tennessee with not even so much as a touch of twang anywhere. Yeah. Nowhere to be found on this record. Yeah. Good call. (laughs) Um, The album is one hour and eight minutes long, which I think is something that uh, we'll, we'll touch on later. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you know, the thing about this album, it, um, it really was, I think the album that brought, this band to another level, you know, from where they were previously, I think, I don't know. I wasn't there at the time, but just based on what, you know, what I, what I saw and what I read about, it seems like, you know, 
they were, you know, kind of a uh, recognized up and coming indie, you know, rock and roll band in the New York, New Jersey area. They had toured substantially around the country and, you know, probably in Europe before that. Um, so, you know, they were definitely a band that people were aware of and interested in, in certain circles. But I think that this, this was one that brought them to the next level. You know, I mean, they had one of the singles on the record was called sugar cube. Um, yep. and if you watch that video, which I highly recommend, cause it's, it's a great video. It has most of the cast of Mr. Show, which, yeah, was, it does. which, which was a big, uh, comedy show on HBO at the time. Featuring David Cross, um, who you might know if you're into, you know, kind of alt comedy or Bob Odenkirk, who you might know if you're familiar with Better Call Saul or Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> a little show called Breaking Bad. Yeah, a little show called Breaking Bad <laughs> yeah. started uh, started on Mr. Show, which is yeah. uh, still one of the best sketch comedy shows, in my opinion. Agree. Strong. Um, um, yo, yeah, context. I mean, it, yeah. Look, okay. Like, so to add to this, this is their first record that um, ever hit the Billboard charts, which oh, yeah. and it hit the Billboard charts when that kind of meant a lot more than it does these days. For sure. So that's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, it, it seems as though this is the record that really put them on the map. And, you know, for the context being uh, in 1997, I was... 15 turning 16 i don't think i was aware of them yet but by 1998 1999 i was getting more and more into music they were i like the word you've used you've used it here a couple times unavoidable they were everywhere um in new jersey if you were into underground music at all you knew who this band was however my leanings meant i thought this band was uh boring old person music which at 16 (laughs) uh sounds about right yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'd be lying uh, if I said I didn't feel the same way at that age. Right, right, right. Um, but it's, you know, when I'm looking more and more about this, yeah, I have so many questions. Like, Yola Tango, they almost, they're not pavement and they're not Sonic Youth. Yeah. Definitely not. I feel like they're really different monsters, all those bands. Oh, really different monsters. However, um, I would use at least both Sonic Youth and Pavement as as tent poles for this weird circus called Indie Rock. Um, Yeah. And Yolo Tango might not be a tent post. They might not be... But they're pretty close. If they aren't, they they're all the folding chairs. You know what I mean? Like they definitely are a band who I feel like sonically laid a template um, that I think was pretty popular. But they never like they never got mainstream success. No, they didn't, but I think that you know, um, how how much can a band like this i guess reach mainstream success is that even possible you know um yeah i mean right i agree it's like what like hum like mainstream success is a hit single or two right like you you made it past the buzz bin 
into like regular rotation alt rock radio fodder, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Like if you hit the buzz bin, that scene is somewhat of a success. And, and for people who don't know, can you explain what the buzz bin is? Cause I'm making this funny reference and it sounds kind of silly, but I'm sure there's pe- people who are hearing that and laughing and going, yup. And there's somebody who's listening going, the hell is a buzz bin. Um, to be quite honest, I'm kind of blanking on what the oh, buzz bin is. Wow. <laughs> okay. So the buzz bin is the I, MTV I buzz bin. MTV. So it was basically where MTV would put new artists when they would have music videos on. It would be the buzz bin. Right. And it was essentially like kind of that minor push that now in my head, some 20 plus years later, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what the finances were to get your band as a buzz bin band, get your oh, video, sure. like what kind of placement, right? Yeah. Um, but it essentially was like, oh, if this new band from the quote unquote underground has a hit single or like, um, you know, a band from overseas, I, I'm pretty sure like, a couple Oasis singles like off definitely maybe started in the buzz bin, like sure. new videos by artists who aren't established. Let's try to give them some, some credo and they would sometimes bounce and sometimes they would flop, you know, I thought it was like it was one like step that. above being featured on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking Beavis and Butthead. I was thinking 120 minutes. I knew that it had something. Yep, to it's do in with. that, it's in that general range. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Hey, we don't know, you know, it, it, it predates TRL, uh, but it's like, we don't know if we're going to put you in regular rotation, but we're going to give you a chance. Can you make it? And some did, most didn't. And I don't, you know, it's like Yola Tango didn't quite make it into the Buzzman. Yeah. But at the same time, they're still playing good sized venues years and years and years after the fact right so like does it even matter it does i mean i wonder i have to bet there are plenty of one hit wonders who would give their left arm to have the career that yola tango has had yeah exactly Um, better than ezra are jealous you know oh oh my god they're they're dying for it um (laughs) um yeah, it, it would be a lot better living with you, Yola Tango, than better than Ezra. Um, so I, I have so many questions and thoughts about this band. Uh, let me throw out a true or false. Sure. If Yola Tango was going to have a song that hits the buzz bin, it would have been the song Autumn Sweater off this record. I agree. I think uh, I would go Autumn Sweater or Sugar Cube. I, th- I could go either way. Yes. But yeah. Autumn, uh, I really like the song Sugar Cube. The song Autumn Sweater that finds itself sort of like deep in the middle of this record. Uh, I was listening to it and it got the highest possible praise in my house, which is where my significant other said to me, she said, uh, oh, will you add this to uh, the playlist of songs I like? on Spotify. (laughs) So, uh, so that's pretty high praise. I got to say, I, I, there's very few songs that make that pass that threshold. One of Um, the, one of the things I read actually was like, I think someone, they were kind of poking fun, you know, kind of giving it the business, but it was like, you know, the, the, like the eponymous mixtape song, autumn sweater, you know, like it's just a song (laughs) that everybody put on their mixtape, you know, at that point. So that's, that's actually really funny. 
Yeah, I, I really, really think that. Um, okay, let's. We've given a lot of contacts. I think Yola Tango. Uh, oh, I want to get your feelings. Where do they fit in the indie rock um, hierarchy? You know, how important are they from your purview? Do you think they're? I don't think they're in that top, top, top level. But they're probably on a level level, below. Who are you thinking of? Well, it depends, right? Like, do we... How far back do we go? Do we count the early REM material as indie rock? Yeah, good point. Right? Like, do we count Brit... 80s Brit pop in the indie rock? Because, like, it feels weird to say the Smiths aren't indie rock, but they're kind of not. Yeah, even though every single indie person loves them. Do we count? Do we bring in shoegaze material? Do we talk my bloody Valentine? Do we talk mid nineties Brit rock, Brit pop? Do we talk stone roses? Like where, where do we draw these lines? Yeah. So let's talk about it like this American indie rock of the nineties. Yeah. I mean, to your point, we could take this in any number of directions. Honestly, I put them like Pantheon indie rock. Um, yeah, I think, I think so too. They're like right up there, like top three to five, you know? I think so too. Especially if I clear out some of those other misnomers I just said, like I can't, like, I'm not going to talk about you two in the late seventies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to talk about the REM murmur material, even though that's fantastic and lays the lays the groundwork for a lot of this stuff. And, yeah. you know, and quite honestly, probably lays the groundwork for a lot of this entire world. But if we, and we, I'm not going to talk about the Smiths or the cure or the, the like stone roses, stone roses or, 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 you know, uh, joy division or new order or that kind of stuff like the, yeah. that, that kind of early late seventies kind of thing that also all that's like synonymous with, alternative indie rock new wave all that stuff is it's so hard to pull it all apart but but we're going to and i certainly would include yola tango right at the top of the pantheon yeah definitely i mean first names that come to mind for me like i think of the feelies although i think that's that's a little earlier like i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't even put them in like the indie rock category because i think that's more, more along the lines of like the rem you know era that we're talking about Yep. So I think like Yola Tango, Guided by Voices, those are the first two that come to Guided mind. Guided by Voices for sure. Uh, Drive by Truckers? Drive by Truckers. I wouldn't, not for me, no. No. Uh, let's see. Um, Sleater Kinney, I'd think about them, but I, I grouped them a little differently. Yeah, a little differently, but uh, I think Pavement. Pavement for sure, no question to me. Um, Dinosaur Jr., I don't group in here, strangely enough even though I like them more than any other band we've mentioned so far. Sure. I, yeah, I put them in a different category too. Neutral Milk Hotel? Uh, no, only because I don't like them at all. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like them a bit. However, anyone who's talking about Neutral Milk Hotel post-2000, post-2005, I'd say, like they have a completely rewritten history. I don't think I ever heard anyone mention the name Neutral Milk Hotel until like 2008. Yeah, it's one of those things I think I it, I I just I think that's a record that hits for you if you hear it at a certain age and I did not Correct. hear it at that age. Um <laughs> yeah. I I think just adding to that list Bell and Sebastian. 
Bell and Sebastian for sure. Um, does Bell and Sebastian? No, I don't think they opened the door for My Bloody Valentine. Well, My Bloody Valentine first, yeah. So, oh, that's Definitely. right. Well, I mean, I just mean in this conversation. I mean, in this conversation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I don't think so. I think sonically, it's just a little bit different. Um, the Pixies. Yeah. Oh, Pixies, sure, for sure. Yeah, and I think they. They're, I, they're I might like, put them here. There may be a little. I don't even they're know. Early. I they're, like they're early. Yeah, they're early. They're early. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I put Sonic Youth in there, even though like very little of Sonic Youth's super listenable to me. And like Sonic Youth has moments where I'm like, I think I'd consider this more like noise rock than indie, but you know, they're right. inarguably like an indie band. Um, so anyways, I mean, I'm, I'm sad. We'll never get, be able to talk about Sonic Youth because I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, that's that's on our. We're, I told you we're gonna do uh, road trips. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, we can <laughs> certainly do some. Ro- uh, that's Slint Record. Okay. So, anyways, built to spill. There, there are, but I think Yola Tango belongs in this conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There. I mean, like I mentioned before, I think if you are even like tangentially, you know, involved with or ever were involved with indie rock in any way, had any CDs, you probably had a Yola Tango CD. So I think they're definitely Pantheon. Okay. So uh, another question. Before doing this, I had no idea that there was a Mission of Burma Yola Tango connection. I actually didn't know that myself. Tell me. Okay. So, so um, when they formed the band, Ira and Georgia, uh, they and uh, this is straight from their history. Uh, placed an advertisement to recruit other mi- musicians who shared their love for bands such as the Soft Boys, Mission of Burma, and Arthur Lee's Love. Fast forward, um, they released their first LP, Ride the Tiger, on Coyote Records, which I believe is self released, and it was produced by former Mission of Burma bassist Clint Conley. Ah. Who, uh, who ended up playing a few songs on the record. So um, really interesting to me. I'm not a huge Mission of Burma guy, but it was it started to, to drop the blocks into place, Tetra style of like, oh, okay. Okay, I start to see where what what this band was coming from, like reference point wise, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd compare it sort of like, when you get the note that's like, Hey, actually, um, the Goo Goo Dolls and Soul Asylum, those bands, when they started, loved bands like the replacements and who's do. And you go, Oh, duh. Now I hear it. Even though I never made that connection before. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so, all right, let's, let's kind of continue forward here. We, we've put Yola Tango, um, in the pantheon of indie rock. And I think this is the record that does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it definitely is, but I think it's, it's interesting. Like indie rock's always been an interesting genre for me because like, I don't really know what it means other than like, (laughs) like it's like guys trying to play rock and roll, but like, it's maybe a little less produced and they might be like taking in some further influences, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it's It's like most, Yes, it's like most genres when you get down to it. Um, 
alternative. What what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. So what? It's not it's not mainstream rock. Well, <clears throat> In 1992, mainstream rock became Nirvana and Pearl Jam and right. Soundgarden. So the alternative music took over the mainstream, and it's like, well, if alternative is is mainstream, then what is the alternative to alternative? Um, and yeah, anyways, it's 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 all these terms are right exactly vague when you like, pull and, it out, and especially when you start thinking about like if we're talking about indie, we're talking about independent, we're talking about bands that exist outside of the mainstream, but what happens when, you know, Matador records and, you know, all of their signees are kind of ostensibly mainstream bands, you know, at least they're, they're on MTV and they're well known enough. So like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it's weird, but I think that Yola Tango um, are different from a lot of indie bands in the way that they, they take a lot of different influences. I mean, there's like, there's definitely kraut rock influences on this. There's electro pop influences. There's like 60s, 70s psychedelic folk influences. There's bossa nova, you know, type beats and songs. Yeah. Um, they're really, they definitely were listening to a lot more than like what was happening at the time, you know? Um, I think whereas like pavement, uh, to me, I don't know. To be quite honest, I'm not a huge fan, but to me, like a lot of their albums sound like they're kind of going towards in the same direction. Yola Tango are definitely a band that like they'll throw you for a loop here and there, you know, like they're not they're not operating on the same level that a lot of like, quote unquote, indie bands I think we're operating on. Yeah, <clears throat> that is the only parallel I'll make to. Well, it's not the only one, but it's the biggest one I would make to Sonic Youth is that Yola Tango felt like and feels like, because I think they're still an active thing, entity. Very active. Yeah. That their sound was evolving and actively avoiding being pinned down. Um, And I think, you know, in listening to some of the just sampling through the material this record has like i can hear the heart beating as one has the most kind of clean line fusion of all these weird things that they were dipping their toes into and at the same time the most pop sensibility mm-hmm. um it's the most tuneful yeah. At least in, you know, in kind of going through, I was like, wow, they really kind of honed in on this. And don't get it twisted. I'm going to use the word drone, and there's an entire genre of music called drone music. And that's not what I'm referencing. But the idea of droning, where something's kind of repetitious and going over and over, um, especially you'll hear kind of electronic versions of that. I hear that on both the record before and after this one. If chronologically for Yola Tango, but it's tuned down a bit on this record in a way that makes some of the songs, even the more like noisier or more like the longer tracks are just a little bit more concise. Um, and it's sort of like, <clears throat> again, we'll go to like older heads. This is either when you're tuning the radio on a manual knob and you just get it to the right spot and you can 
you really dialed it into the radio station. Uh, this is a phenomenon for for the old only, <laughs> where you wouldn't want anyone to touch that knob because even the slightest gust of air that dialed it out one sixty fourth of an inch, you lose the signal. Um, or like when you're watching scrambled porn on, on uh, <laughs> 90s TV that you got to get it to the right channel. And, and I, I think that that's what this record is to me. They just, things got fused where, where this eclectic mix of influences, which I think they tout, they like were just the sum of all these parts came together in this way that, uh, <sighs> Genre defining feels a little grandiose, but I, I think for certain this is the record for this band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I don't think you'd find a lot of people that argue with you there. And if they if they did argue with you, they're like super fans who you know have have dove deeper than we'll ever deep will ever dive. You know, so for sure, for sure. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's listening to what you're saying it actually it makes me and i thought about this before but like this record could have been a complete mess like it could have been total garbage yeah like like, like, dude this isn't it's it's over an hour long it's crazy long you know they have they're like definitive hits on here but then there's also like just a lot of really vibey songs Yes. There's a few, there are definitely more than a few songs that go over five minutes. Um, I, uh, I'm, I, I really wonder, you know, if this came out now, if it would hit the same way, I definitely don't think it would because, you know, this kind of stuff has been done. I mean, they sent the template, um, That's right. but I also don't think that people have the attention span for an album like this now, you know, frankly, um, my only my only nod to that in thinking maybe the other is that this is a record that has peaks um, in so much as I think to me, sugar cubes and autumn sweater are the most pop accessible and just like click catchy song. Both of them. Yeah. The rest of the record vibes like a tempo, you know, you can put it on, this is a cubicle record to me. This is a working overtime at the office record to me. This is a, I need to decompress in the car record to me. Mm-hmm. This is not a going on a run record. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a working at the gym record. This is not a um, fix in my car record or mowing the lawn record, <laughs> Yeah, but it could, it could be a making dinner record. Um, uh, it, it just, um, it's you know what more than making a dinner making dinner record it's a cleaning dishes record. Um, there's sort of a, a methodical groove to the record that it spikes up but then kind of brings you back down and keeps you moving. Yeah. Um, I had the thought in my head. None of this inspired like you said their live show is great. What is the energy like for this band live? It's just. Well, I mean, to preface what I'm about to say, like I thought of the record as either you're you're either listening to it super actively, like you're either totally tuned in or it's just background music and either one like works just as good. Yeah. Um, live, it's totally the former where like 
everybody is so tuned in. The band is tuned in. The audience is tuned in. It's super like you could hear a pin drop. Um, but the cool thing about them is like at this point, they're one of those bands that. So James McNew, who was the bass player on this album, joined in 92. So mm-hmm. they've had the same lineup for 28 years now. <laughs> yes. So like, <laughs> I can't even imagine how many shows they've played together, let alone how many albums they've played. Um, those dudes, like they play really, really well together. I'll just say that. Um, and you know, it's one of those other things too, where they have such a deep catalog that they'll like just dip into pockets. I don't even know if they write set lists. They, they kind of just like do whatever they're feeling at the time, but it feels really fluid. You know, I mean, it feels like this album where it's like, you know, maybe some of the transitions might feel kind of disjointed, but like, that's just kind of part of the, the, the experience that you're going along for, you know, um, super tight. They're having a great time. I think it seems really obvious how fucking grateful they are that they're a band that's been able to do this for so long. And, you know, without any sort of like artistic, um, you know, like having to sacrifice anything artistically, you know, right. It's, it's, it's very cool. I mean, it's, they're one of the bands that even if you're not a fan, I would recommend seeing them. It's just like, it's a really fun, engaging live show. Yeah. So, so that, that, that makes sense to me because like the way you spoke about it, um, I think they probably have a really one deep and tight set list, uh, not, not tight in the way that it's like tight formed out, but they just, the, the players all know each other very well. So, they get in and they can play these songs and they can play them loose. They can play them tight. They can hit it exactly right. Or they can kind of jam it out. And it's, it's a fun, fun experience. The thing I was thinking about was in listening to this record and the records on either side of it and in selections from their entire catalog was, I was like, these are probably the songs that people get the most excited for. Like these are the like, Ooh, high notes in a set perhaps but they have such an expansive catalog that, that it's not it's just it's just a different kind of energy and um yeah i just it's kind of amazing to me i, I think this record um I, as i was kind of the point i was getting to is the idea that like i think that in 2020 and beyond with the dearth of music that's out to listen to records that you can put on that just kind of take you and you can, you can just vibe to mm-hmm. matter like that shit, that shit counts. Like people want to be able to listen to a record that maybe it's in the background of what they're doing. Um, as we've learned from podcasts and, and on their on demand entertainment um, is, is outrageously popular because it's something you can do when you're doing something else. And uh, there's certain records that are 100% that, and there's a lot of records out there that are great, but require you to either be paying attention or maybe just by their nature, maybe they're more aggressive, maybe they're fast, maybe they're just like too explosive. You can't just put them on and, you know, uh, do your uh, calculus work or work on a spreadsheet or build that PowerPoint presentation or, you know, continue to fill out your medical forms. But this record you can. And I don't want that to sound like a diss, 
I actually think it's incredible when you find those kind of records. For sure. I mean, it's one of the things I think about too is like, you know, I think about like early hip hop albums and like the way that they were sampling things, even like, yes, let's think of like tribe called quests. And like, that's not even that early. I know. No, but, like, no, but I think you're know, like, nailing but, something, like, but what they're pulling from there. Like, I know that people at the time and even now, like are probably listening to those records being like, like, what is this sampled from? Like, this sounds awesome. You know, yes. like I was, when I was li- re-listening to this, I was thinking about like, you know, even the weird tracks like Spec Bebop, you know, it's like, like, what were they listening to that actually led them to this? Like, and I, I, I have some hunches now that I've like dug deep enough in music over, over my years, you know, but yes, like, yeah. but at the same time, like if I heard that in the nineties, like, I don't know if I was a, if I was younger, I still have no idea, you know, maybe no, there's some wild shit that I'm still not privy to. That's probably the case. It seems like they go super deep, you know? So, so in my, in my deep diving, um, I read up a little bit about Ira Kaplan, the, um, I guess nascent lead singer of the band mm-hmm. and guitar player. Um, and what it led me to was Ira K, um, his show on WFMU, Ira the K, uh, or the K as he's taken his name to be. <sighs> and uh, if you're not familiar, um, WFMU, a very popular uh College radio, I guess, still uh, web uh, website. College radio station. Um, they have one of the most comprehensive libraries that I've ever come across, uh, especially for some of their more notorious shows that have been on for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they also have these very extensive playlists detailing everything that he plays. So you can go and take a look at what Ira plays, and it is all over the place um you know from uh 80s uh new wave stuff to deep cut 70s rock to soul to funk to punk to you know like everything that you to uh more more recent hip-hop to 90s hip-hop um you know like for example let me let me give a quick read down on this one all right we have uh, May 21st, 2020, uh, Husker Du, Bozo Chavis, Ohio Express, The Davis Sisters, The Box Tops, Alex Chilton, Isley Brothers, Shop Assistants, Barry Biggs, Bo Diddley, Clyde and the Blue Jays, Ray Watts and The Questions, uh, Pete Best Combo, The Beatles, Doug Som, Sir Doug and the Texas Tornadoes, The Pretty Things, My Bloody Valentine, Cal J- Jader, uh, Osselvigan's, Angry Samoans, Nat King Cole, J.J. Jackson, Johnny Guitar Watson, The Animals, The Birds. You know, like, you're not going to find many people who are playing, you know, uh, Spencer Davis Group and Red Man and The Who all in the span of one show. Um, But Ira Kaplan is. Um, So this is like one of those things I find fascinating and we've kind of circled the wagon on this a little bit, but it's when you have clearly deep head music fans with the most eclectic of taste and they work on a long-term music project that feels both deeply personal, but also a little bit removed 
and they occasionally just land at this perfect nexus where these weird influences all kind of a confluence really where they all come together. And I think that's what this record is. Like who knows five years earlier or five years later, it might not land the same way because I don't, I, I quite honestly don't think their other records hit the same way as this. And, um, that said, this record inspired me to go, okay, no, this is a band I really need to to pull apart a little bit and look at some of their other records more deeply. Yeah. I mean, for me, like knowing my knowing their catalog as well as I do, which is honestly not that well. Um, I know certain albums from certain, I think, eras. Like they're just one of those bands that are well, let me put it in this context. I'm a huge Guided by Voices fan and people who, you know, if you're not familiar, they're an indie band. They're from Dayton, Ohio. Um, they started in the eighties. They're actually really similar to Yola Tango in the way that they started a lot earlier than they were recognized, you know? So they had been, already been a band for over a decade by the time, you know, they were, they were putting out records that people were actually buying and, you know, yes, going to yeah. their shows. Um, yes. they were more or less like a, 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 a local Dayton bar band um, for most of their career up until the point that, you know, they signed to bigger labels and got recognized. And now, you know, they've been around for decades and put out basically two albums a year. And they have yes. one of the most intimidating catalogs probably of any band, but um, intimidating is the exact right word for their catalog. Yeah. So like I think of Yola Tango in that way where like, Listen, I'm a diehard Guided by Voices fan. Will I vouch for every album? No, I definitely won't. Won't you know? But like, <laughs> but the the interesting part for me is like being along for the ride. You know, because like you can pick out certain songs on certain albums, even like weak albums. You might be like, you know, this album isn't super strong, but like it has these four tracks that are like like some of my favorite tracks. You know, yeah. I have to think that. And again, I'm kind of talking out of school because I don't know Yola Tango's catalog like that, but I have to think that it's it's along those lines because they put out a lot of material over, you know, like fairly quickly over the period of time that they've been around. And certain yeah. albums, it seems like hit for people and certain albums don't, you know, certain albums are, are ignored. They've definitely done like a lot of soundtrack stuff that I think, you know, people probably don't respond to as well. Um, but then, you know, they put out an album called fade like six or seven years ago that that's one of my favorites that I've heard. And I know that like people responded really well to that album. So yeah, I think they still kind of, um, you know, it's just a matter of like, are you along for the ride or not? You know, like that's the question. Um, and you don't have to be along for the, the whole ride. I think for some people that's kind of more exciting to like really, like dive deep. I'm, I'm one of those people. I just haven't done that on Yola Tango, but, um, you know, I think that if you only heard one album from them, it might be this album. It might be, you know, nothing turned itself inside out. It might be fade and you're cool with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you can, you can, you can dig in as little or as much as you want with this band. And I think that's kind of part of the appeal. See that that is exactly like as you were talking about guided by voices and kind of thinking to myself like what was my hold back 
on Yola Tango from really like really giving it the honest deep dive listen like let me take a record and I mean to be honest part of this is time and space yeah. uh, when I was younger and physical media was still something that I was listening to all the time and that even dwells into the, the mid early 2000s till 2006 probably um, I would drive around and have a CD book in my car so yeah you know like I worked at small record label I worked at a distributor I could get CDs for not much more than cost. So I would, if there was something I really wanted, I would get that. I'd listen to it in my vehicle because you're driving around. I was driving around all the time and I'd be able to kind of spend the time I'd like to with record. And um, up until doing more music, listening based stuff, it, it was a while, but that dearth, that intimidation factor of a band's catalog Guided by Voices is certainly an example of that. And I think Yola Tango as well, because I'm looking at it right now. I'm pretty sure they have 15 studio albums. Uh, that's a lot. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 albums. We've now completed the segment of the podcast where you listen to me count out loud. <laughs> but that's a lot. And so even... In 2006, they had 10 records, 11 records out that was like, wait, where do I get in? And, um, and I think that's, that's a big factor. I think that's a, a hard point for, for bands across genres with, with large catalogs. And hey, maybe that's a reason we're doing a podcast like this so you can know where to jump on. Because I, I think you're right. I, I think I'll say on record that you, know, you could try – and then nothing turned itself inside out. I think that's got a couple songs. Um, I haven't dove into anything post that really, um, other than tracks here or there. As, as I mentioned to Pete before, their cover of Todd Rundgren uh, from around that same time as Fade is excellent. Um, I think you could listen to Painful and hear some stuff you might like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fake Book sounds like it might as well be a completely different band, but I, I really like that. Um, but yeah, like there's so much to go for, but this record, I feel like is the nexus point of all these eclectic sounds. And, you know, you mentioned this and I think I've circled it as well. I think with this record, you asked the question, what, what is indie rock even? I think this record along with a couple others helped set what the template was for a lot of bands and a lot of artists to go, Oh, I'm going to do a band that's sort of like this and sort of sounds like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I was thinking actually a lot about not to keep making the guided by voices comparison, but I was thinking about guided by voices when I was listening to this in the way that like, it sounds like, and actually Ira, um, in an interview I read, he said it was basically the first album that they were confident and not worrying about what the album sounded like. Like they were, they got together in a room, they wrote a bunch of tunes, they put it all together. They put it on an album. They were comfortable with that, you know? Um, Oh, do you think you can hear that on this record? I think I can. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It sounds like a really confident record, you know, it sounds super confident, but it also sounds like, you know, uh, if there had been like a major label record producer in the room, he would have been like, guys, this is an eight minute song. It can be two minutes, you know, like, 
Um, so I think it's, it's super confident in the way that they just kind of let it be what it is. You know, I mean, the record is an hour and eight minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's turn the conversation there for at least a minute. Yeah. Uh, when you listen to this record, what, is there anything you would cut? Is it as, as our theme, maybe we should just ask the question, is this record too long? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> as this I, is one of those questions. It's the note you pass to someone, uh, in middle school, you write it out. Like, will you go out with me? This is the note I passed to Pete and it says, is this record too long? Yeah. Uh, one box says yes. The other box says yes. So, so I think, yeah. So I think I've stated on record probably every album that we've covered so far. Uh, this record's too long, but, um, I won't actually say that. I think that, you know, here's the thing, like, do I think that there's a better version of this album? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that you could cut it down a little bit. I think it could be more concise. Um, and I think that I frankly would probably enjoy it more like in my day to day. So there's that, but then there's also like, is this album perfect for what it is? And is it perfect for like a Yola Tango fan? And by that, I mean like if there are people who are like willing to go along for the ride and want the more difficult version of things, like this is perfect. You know, I mean, I think that this is just, another chapter in the story of Yola Tango. And I think that, you know, it takes a lot of balls to put out an album like this, especially when, you know, like we mentioned, you know, they were at a point where it seems like this was the nineties. Anything was possible. You know, I mean, bands like this were getting recognized. Um, Had they made a more commercial friendly record, like maybe things would have ended up differently. Um, but I don't think they ever wanted that. And I think that they were perfectly comfortable, you know, doing what they were doing as a band. So like for the story of Yola Tango, I don't think I would cut it. I think it's like, I think it's, it's fine. H- however Yola Tango wants it is how it should be basically, you know, <laughs> I will, um, I'll echo that. I won't say however long Yola Tango wants it should be because we have been less than charitable to some other band. So I won't do that, but right. But, but I, I agree with the sentiment and energy behind it. Exactly. Because some somewhat and so much of this album feels intentional. The length feels very on purpose. Um, the way it climaxes and where it climaxes feels like that was thought out. And it's not like it was some kind of like, this isn't sleep, you know, Jerusalem dope smoker where they wrote a 60 something minute song and charted it out on a wall. I don't think that I think this was, you know, it, it rises when it does and it comes back and it's all in a flow. A lot of the ways that I think when you listen to electronic music, or more droney music, the structure and flow is in that rhythm and repetition and the f- what they're doing in that churning. And I get that on this record more than a lot of other, you know, records that sonically you could make comparisons to, you know, um, 
So yeah, I, I, for for once, we're telling you, hey, this long record, keep it long, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know that we're being uncharitable because we've mentioned. Yeah, I I think we've been uh, less, you know, friendly to other long records. But the thing for me is this, like, like Green Arrow, which is a song on this record is, yes, you know, I think it's my favorite track on the record. Oh, wow. Okay. I could listen to an album of that song and songs like that, like forever. That's like, I'm, I'm super into the like hyper mellow vibe. Uh, it's really atmospheric. I, I love it. I could, I could go with that forever. So I say that like this record's okay because I think all of the songs are good. It's just that I think that, you know, if I was Ira Kaplan, which I'm not, you know, I would have, I would have done it in a way that like the genres of songs are like pocketed into an album, you know, like you could have an album of sugar cubes. You could have an album of green arrows. You could have Mm. an album of, you know, cover tracks. This Mm. to me is like, it's, 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 it's almost like the perfect introduction because it gives you everything that Yola Tango has to offer in like one fell swoop. And then you can like go in and look at the other albums and kind of find like what, what Yola Tango is your favorite. If that makes sense. No, uh, really well said. I think it's exactly why I love this record so much um, because I am a bit more of a mixer. Uh, but I actually think your energy on it's dead on. This is the main concourse of a great museum, you know, where when you're in the main area, you get to see a sampling of what's in each wing. And if you like this one more, well, that's where you go first. Or if you just are interested in Egyptology, well, that you're going to go back to the rear corner over there and go down that wing. Um, but here you're getting the a sampling of everything. I, I think you kind of nailed it there. Um, and yeah, that's that's a well put way to think about it. I, I think this this record gives you a good overview of the band, a lot of the different things they do. Um, and you also mentioned, I want to go back to it, atmospheric. This record does have this atmospheric quality that's subtle. Um, that it, it, you know, I referenced Portishead just briefly on the last episode, but there's elements of Portishead on this record um, that that make me go, oh, you know, kind of. And I don't know, this record might predate it. It might be right alongside that the Portishead LP, mm-hmm. um, but it's like. Oh, it's just this electronic atmospheric vibe that's <clears throat> it's still saturated and, and like soaked in to the guitars and the fuzziness, but it just it, it, it gives you a cool feeling, you know. Um there's yeah. there's yeah, this 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 record is very unique. I, I come to appreciate it a lot and uh found it to be a really cool listen. So what were your, you know, talking about like different Yola Tangos, what, what tracks were your favorite? What, what, what are your favorite Yola Tangos, I guess? Okay. Yeah, my, this album. My Yola Tangos. Did you know also that they were named after, uh, it was a baseball reference? I didn't know that. No. Okay. So Yola Tango is, I got it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it was from a New York Mets, like early sixties thing where, 
I guess it's two outfielders maybe. Uh, we're, and you know, I sound like Mr. Sportsball here. Uh, I'm actually a big <laughs> sports fan, but I didn't know this reference. But apparently two outfielders were going for a ball, and the one was going, I got it, I got it, I got it. The other was a primary Spanish speaker who didn't know what he was saying. So they realized what, what they did was say, oh, we'll just say yo Latengo. Like that's, <laughs> you know, and that's where the band got their name. So that's shout out. Um, Autumn Sweater stands out to me. Um, Shadows, Deeper Into Movies. Deeper Into Movies might be my favorite song. Oh, cool. On this record. Yeah, I really love that song. And Sugar Cube's great. Uh, I think Stockholm Syndrome's good. Green Arrow's very good. Like, you and I are on the same page. That's that's the energy that I go for in this album. Yeah, more yeah, yeah. I just feel like there's the, the, there's just this really there's a strong swing on this record. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of can't say it. We we sort of stumbled onto a record that I think is in the same way as we talked about that in ten years people are going to be talking about the SZA Control record as an important record that came out this decade um, to 2010 to 2020. I think this Yola Tango record is one of the most important records of the nineties. Um, yeah. And it may be important. not the right word because I don't know, but it seems low key still like it doesn't, this is not a record I see a lot of people talk about or, or bring up. Now I'm not necessarily looking all, everywhere for it, but, but it certainly is like a big record. I mean, they're one of those bands that I think like, and again, I, I hate to keep drawing the God of my voices comparison, but like they're one of those bands that I think if you're still hyperactive as a band, um, people aren't going to kind of reference you as influences as much, you know? So like mm-hmm. Yola Tango and God of my voices still very, very, very active bands. So as a result, I think, you know, um, even if the influence might be obvious on like a newer band, they're not going to kind of talk about it that way because it, it, it feels like you're talking about like a peer, you know, it, yes. it feels like you're talking about one of your contemporaries well, um, and, and giving placement to something that is still active. You know, you don't very rarely do you put, um, you know, you don't put active players in the hall of fame. Let's, right. let's put it that way. You know, it's like you don't memorialize someone before they're done with their career. And so that might be part of it. But music's such a funny thing because albums can be looked back on. And, you know, looking through it looks like, you know, Spin put it on their greatest albums in the 90s, Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, Pays, all these all these pub- publications note it. So it's, it's noted. But I think just in the cognitive conversation, this record might not get the love it deserves. So uh, if you disagree hit us up because um, I just think it, it could deserve, it deserves a little more love. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so too. I think it's one of those things like they're one of those bands that, you know, I know, you know, they do like a Hanukkah showcase every year. Um, I think they've been doing it at the Bowery ballroom in New York yeah. um, the last couple of years, but love it's that. like eight nights in a row. They sell it out immediately. You know, like, People are psyched. They play all kinds of deep cuts. I think there's probably a different set list every night. Like yeah. they're definitely still a band that's appreciated, but I think it's one of those things where like when they're gone, I I, I think that uh people like people don't realize how cool it is that Yola Tango are still playing now as actively as they are. I think once they're gone, people are gonna, you know, 
the people who like had numerous chances to have, to to see them or you know listen to their records like their newer records kind of more actively as it was happening i think they're going to regret like not you know being more involved cuz they're definitely pushing just as hard as they ever were you know right now so yeah impressive impressive career um inspiring me to uh to check it out where would you say you you said what's the record fade is the record you you like from 2013 yeah, fade, i think i think it was from 2013 um great record start to finish um uh not as long as this which maybe is one of the appeals but i think it it offers uh <laughs> it offers like definitely like that a similar range to this album um but um more concise um i really like it i still play it you know fairly regularly and i would say just in my my journeys i enjoyed fake book which is mostly covers um i think all covers uh no there's five originals good um it's a fun listen it's it's a real different listen than this record it just it almost doesn't feel like the same band uh but it's it's mostly acoustic fun smooth listen some songs you know a lot of songs you don't and it's sort of like when you listen to it you go ah you are an eclectic batch i see right um so so check those records out um anything else on this one before we uh we call it an evening so two quick questions yes so um i think if anyone were to have an issue with this album um a specific track I have to imagine it would be Spec Bebop. Mm. So it's like a 10-minute Krautrock jam. Yep. Um, Krautrock, if you're not familiar, uh, you know, like German experimental rock music from the 70s primarily. Um, No vocals, really spacey, um, you know, interesting music. I I recommend it if you want to go deep, but it sounds to me like they were trying to do that on this track. Um, should that be on the record or not? Like, does it contribute to it for you? Yes. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, easy answer. Kind of <clears throat> circling back to that, pulling in elements of electronic music, a little bit atmospheric. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily ascribe atmospheric to Krautrock, mm-hmm. but I think that, the length of this song, kind of the the movement of it, it helps. Um, I would not move it up in the order of the record, but as you get towards the back end of the record, that's it's it's a really cool song. It's not at the very end of it, but it, it kind of hits at a cool point um, in the flow. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it. I wouldn't take it off. I think that I would leave the album as is. I think that. Um, it's one of those tracks that I, I do think it's really challenging, but I think it's challenging in a good way. Like, I think that if you, if you end up on the other side of it and you're, you're cool with it, like you're, you're along for the ride, you know, and like you kind of found your band. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. That, that's kind of rewarding, you know? I agree. That might, this might be a threshold test. So do not listen to spec bebop first. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But don't. if you like the record up to this point, consider it the, uh, the final trial, the like, okay, yeah. are you in? It, Here we the, go. The final endurance test. Yes. Um, and if, if, if you're a fan and you're not familiar with velvet underground or can, I think you should go in. 
Um, yes. Last question. Can a band that has had Yola Tango's career trajectory at this point kind of come up in 2020? Like, is this even possible anymore? Like a band 13 years into their career that has a record like this and who is like basically not sacrificed any of their, you know, creative impulses at all? Um, this is a fantastic question. Uh, because I'm pretty sure, let me look. I think this is like their, this is their eighth studio album. And moreover, let's call it by their words. Cause they, they say, Oh, you know, up till 1990 or so we were kind of just dicking around. Um, <laughs> That's basically what they say. Yeah, a- it really is. Uh, but let's start, this would be their fifth album of the nineties, you know, where they started saying, Hey, we started taking stuff more seriously by 91, 92. Right. Can this happen? Yes. Is it likely? No. That said, there's a lot of different factors. Um, you're right. It takes that kind of resolve to stick it out. But what I'm going to say is that it also takes the magic pixie dust that kind of happened on this record, right? Like we, we mentioned it, we said it again and again, this record pulls everything together, holds it together long enough to make something magic. And you know, it's up to you if it, keeps that same energy moving forward. I, I didn't think that the record after this, um, uh, and then nothing turns itself inside out has the same tunefulness that really pulled me in on certain points of this record. It still has some of that kind of atmospheric stuff, a little bit of electronic play, a little more emphasis on that, but it just didn't feel as warm to me as this record. It also has a 20 minute song. Right. That's yeah. That's uh, yeah, 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 you know, uh, that's that's the uh, sequel to Spec Bop, right? Uh, Spec Bebop. Um, so the question is, can it happen? Yes, will it happen? I'm not sure. I do see artists who uh, nascently kind of like have not been, not been failing. They've been doing fine, but haven't hit their breakout point. And who creatively, sonically, when you hear it, you go, huh, I don't think you've hit it yet. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's also interesting, like, <laughs> uh, so I have a question for you. I'm going to pitch this one back and then I have one last one for you. Cool. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think that this could happen in 2020? Um, no, I, I don't really. Um, I think that, um, I said that so definitively, I think, I think it could, but I think that it just, it really depends on like, it would be one in a million. Um, I think that like basically every band at this point is operating along the lines of like what Yola Tango were doing. It's kind of like under the radar, um, you know, putting out their, their own music for a long period of time, possibly getting recognized. Um, it doesn't feel to me that this is possible now, um, just because they've been able to do exactly what they wanted for such a long period of time. 
but at the same time, like, I don't know, you know, I mean, if, if people buy music off of Bandcamp the way that they're, you know, contributing to Patreon and things like that, like, yeah, maybe they will. And maybe that's the future of music. And like, that will allow for bands like this to like really stretch their legs and like, you know, grow as musicians and as artists. Um, and I think that's cool. Like basically, cool. I, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I hope that it's possible. I just, um, I'm not sure, you know? No, I think where I'm going with this final question is essentially tied to the question and your answer specifically. Do you think it's possible that a band's eighth album out of 15 will again at some point be like, yep, that's the one? Yeah, I mean that's that, crazy to me. That, <laughs> you know? that, yeah, that, that's the one that I don't. I don't think it's as as likely. I mean, well, it, except for the fact of what you pointed out in the Bandcamp uh, digital focus kind of era, things could be different. I think about the artist Alex G, mm-hmm. um, who released. By the time I was even aware of him, uh, aware of them, they they had released five or six albums. I was like, oh, holy shit. Um, there's a lot of lo-fi or smaller artists that are able to do stuff and they start building this following that becomes quite homegrown, you know? Um, and it might... I'm not saying we're ever going to see another Guided by Voices or another Yola Tango in the form that they were. Right. However... I think we're going to see a little bit of a spike in this style where artists are able to be a little bit more prolific, mm-hmm. release more music, have it come out because the, the boundaries of a release aren't there in the way that they were 20 years ago, even 10 years ago necessarily. Um, it's just about how will we, how will they be consumed into what level into what numbers and will the, you know, what are the lines of sustainability for that artist? You know, like if you're just recording music in 2020, you might not need to go to a big studio. You can do it pretty home-based. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, if we don't sell a bunch, that doesn't matter that much. (laughs) And and if we don't want to tour, we just don't tour. Uh, it's, It's really interesting. But then it's like, do they get popular? Will a band ever be able to hit the heights that, guided by voices or Yola Tango hit with this Mm -hmm. kind of model. That's, that's the big question to me. Yeah. I mean, I I think that this, I think definitively this kind of model is done. Like that's not happening again, where you have like an album come out, you have like a promo circuit, you have like a tour based around that, you know, album coming out. I think that what's happening more now which is, you know, somewhat similar, but definitely different enough. Like you have like a snail mail, you know, where like mm-hmm. there's the Bandcamp demos and there's the Bandcamp album and then there's the Matador album and like that's the hit, you know. Or I think, you know, on the other side, you have bands that put out, like you said, Alex G, six albums on Bandcamp. And then all of a sudden something hits, whether that's an album or a song or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, But like something hits enough for uh, something hits enough to bring recognition to those 
like all of their catalog previous to that, you know, yeah, including anything they put put out, you know, currently. So I think that it can happen in any number of different ways. I don't, I don't see the time, like the time, li- like Yola Tango being around for over a decade, you know, when this came out, that to me is more challenging. I think it takes like, and, and that is really just a matter of like, people need to make money to live their lives and move on. You know, I think yeah. that Yola yeah. Tango were making enough money that they could continue just being a full-time band um, in the nineties. I don't think that that's something that can happen now, but what I do think is something that can happen now is like, maybe dude has a day job and he's just recording music after work. And, you know, one day, like it might be on his sixth album. Yeah. It, it clicks. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I think that it can, it can be similar, but I don't think it's going to be the same. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's fascinating to me. I, I agree. It's not going to be the same. It's just, you know, so, so I used the example of Alex G and I wanted to check myself to make sure I was not saying crazy bullshit here. Um, <laughs> So he releases Race, January 1st, 2010, Winners in 2011. This is the first one's on Gold Sounds. It seems like a small, if not self-release, but Winner, self-released full-length, Rules, self-released full-length in 2012, Trick, self-released full-length in 2012, DSU, released on Orchid Tapes, but small label, Beach Music's released on Domino, uh, so that's starting to get to the big thing. Yeah. Um, hits Billboard Heat Seeker in 2015. So that's one, two, three, four, five albums. And I had heard of them by then. But then right. Rocket is 2017. Again, hits Heat Seeker. House of Sugar, Heat it's like number five on Heat Seeker, Billboard chart. Um, 16 on the US Indie chart. So uh, he's got a live at Third Man, and he's got a few EPs in there too, and a ton of little singles. So. I am fascinated with the idea of prolific artists, but yeah, it's not going to, it's going to be few and far between that we see kind of um, with the reach and success of a band like Yola Tango. So, right. Yeah, definitely. Well, awesome. Um, I think we're going to do another uh, secret (laughs) next week. Yeah. I don't, we haven't, which is, which is uh, behind the curtain conversation for, we haven't figured it out yet, but we've got a couple, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> so hit us up in the DMs, let us know what's up. Yeah, uh, slide, that, slide. Right here. Yeah, yeah, slide in. Um, uh, we're, we're actually, you know, really curious to hear your thoughts. We've been loving the emails that we've been getting. Um, so keep them coming. Thank you. Um, you can email us at, it came from njpod at gmail.com. On social media, Pete, where are we at? We are at it uh, at it came from NJ Pod um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.